Hello, I'm Kevin Doyle, and this is the Floating Voter, Independent.ie's political podcast. It's been a week when COVID was finally pushed off the front pages. The coalition parties battled the opposition and each other on housing. For a nanosecond, there was talk of water charges before everybody agreed that we can't go back there. And the regulation of social media became a hot topic after the sacking of Owen Harris by the Sunday Independent. Yes, we might be riding the vaccination wave towards freedom, but things weren't so rosy back in the old normal either. I'm joined as usual by Philip and Gabby from the Irish Independent Political Team. And with us today is the chairperson of the Oireachtas Committee on Tourism, Sport, Arts, Media and Culture and Fianna Fáil TD, Neve Smith. And also with us is Sinn Féin spokesperson on Enterprise, Trade and Employment, Louise O'Reilly. You're both very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. We want to hone in today on the topic primarily of social media, because it is obviously one that particularly in journalism and politics has become uh, hugely influential, but also quite problematic. And Gabby, it is becoming um, a hot topic in the Oireachtas as well as TDs like Neve and Louise start to look at what regulations might and might not be needed and try to balance, I suppose, free speech versus some of the bad things we're seeing happening. That's right. So um, Neve's own committee, uh, the Committee on Media and Arts, is currently doing its pre-legislative scrutiny of the Online Safety and Media Regulation Bill, um, which I suppose the main crux of the bill is to see an online safety commissioner set up, which would see an examination of complaints um, that people have with big tech and social media companies, it will go to the commissioner first. Um, I suppose the main issue at the moment with social media companies is that if you do make a complaint, if you do want to see takedown of content, the process can be very, very long. And actually, if it takes, you know, a few days or weeks or months, you know, the damage is kind of already done by the time the the content is removed. So, um, for example, just yesterday, the committee heard that it's actually not in the interest of social media companies to put child safety first. And the CEO of the ISPCC, John Church, said that, you know, when they engage with these tech giants about how to keep children safe online, he thinks that many of them view these engagements as just ticking the box. Um, He gave quite a harrowing example of Kate, who was a teenager um, who was really badly cyberbullied. And, um, you know, he told her story and how she really struggled to get away from the, the bullying that was, that was happening online because her phone was always pinging and it was never leaving her alone. And I think we have a clip of him talking about her yesterday. Kate is 13 years old. Kate's interests include gaming, hanging out with her friends, playing the piano and enjoying all the typical things that a 13-year-old girl ought to enjoy. Kate enjoys posting videos of her piano playing online. She enjoys competing with her friends through online gaming and using various apps to keep in touch with what's going on in their busy daily lives. Or at least Kate used to enjoy these activities. Things changed recently for Kate. The in-school bullying she was enduring now moved online where lies were being spread about her by her so-called friends and other students were texting, calling her horrible names on those very same apps they once enjoyed hanging out together. Kate sits alone in her bedroom, but not in silence. She's kept busy or kept company by the constant pinging of her phone, alerting her to the latest, latest horrible thing that's been said about her. When Kate contacted Childline, she told the call facilitator how she wanted to slit her wrists, as she felt that this was the only way to stop the cyberbullying. Imagine being in Kate's shoes, a child, and that has was just only one option they felt they had to make their situation better. 
So, Neve, I might start with you. And before we get into kind of what you want to see happen and some of the suggestions that are being put forward in this area, um, you know, we often hear that female politicians get the worst of social media. Maybe tell us a little bit about, as you see it, how important social media is to your job now and then the hazards that come with that personally, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thanks, Kevin. I mean, social media has added so much to politics, political life, journalism, all of that. And it, it, it reacts to that immediacy of news that perhaps papers are unable to do. Uh, and it has opened up a whole new world and it's been hugely beneficial. I suppose that it is important to acknowledge that. But along with that comes a very dark side uh, to social media and a dark side in terms of um, how you can be, I suppose, misinformation put out there about you, how things can be spun, how things can be thwarted in terms of uh, opponents, perhaps, or disbelievers of, of your opinion or just people who just dislike you. And we live in a world where I suppose freedom of speech is hugely important. Uh, and I, with with this particular piece of um, pre-legislative scrutiny we're doing uh, and working on on setting up that media commission, um, I think you know it is important to say that it's not to in any way inhibit freedom of speech. It's not to any way inhibit the. Um, Great, the positives that can come out of social media. It really is to curb the dark side to it. And as you said yourself there in your introduction, um, you know, we've had v- wide ranging um, witness statements into the committee. Uh, but yesterday was really poignant when we had John Church talking about Katie and we've had school groups in pr- prior to that too. Uh, and when bullying happens or when um, harmful content happens, it has really far reaching implications for young people, for their families. And I suppose at the moment, the way social medias are set up, they are self-regulating. And when it happens to people, the feedback we're getting is there's a, a, a total sense of helplessness, uh, helplessness in the sense Sense that when parents were reacting to Katie's story in particular, um, they just spent days that those parents promised that child they'd be able to get that content down uh, by the time she got up the next morning. And, you know, they worked through the night and could not get in contact with anybody within that social media platform. And I suppose that's the kind of stories we're hearing uh, over and over again about a reluctance, a lethargic attitude to removing uh, content. Um, and I've had experience of it myself. And I mean, you know, when you get onto any of these tech giants, you're told it doesn't breach their community standards. Uh, so their community standards must be of a very low level in terms of some of the content that we do see allowed to be published and allowed to remain on social media platforms. Um, I, I'm familiar with those community standards because just this week out of an experiment as much as anything, because in a newsroom, we have the same stuff you're kind of talking about there, and where, where journalists often come under attack. So I decided to pull out some examples of stuff I've had myself just to see what would happen if you went through the whole process. Usually I just ignore it. But I actually picked out one Twitter account, which repeatedly over months and months has referred to me as a rent boy, which I would have thought went against most community standards, um, reported it. And within a few hours, I did get a reply. But the reply was, this didn't violate Twitter's Mm. rules. Mm. I had reported another account, which repeatedly referred to me as a fucker. Uh, and said I had blood dripping from my hands and various things like that, again, didn't violate the the rules. So it does seem, I don't know what you have to do to actually violate those rules. Exactly, exactly. Louise, what's your own experience? 
Um, well, actually, well, at Neve's committee, they, they were discussing what gets onto social media. At the Business Enterprise Trade and Employment Committee, we were discussing what doesn't. So we had the content moderators. It was the first time the um, social media platform content moderators had been at any, uh, appeared at any parliament anywhere in the world. Um, although there are uh, tens of thousands of them working all over the world and they are really our line of defence. Um, they see the things that we can't see. So when you see what actually makes it onto these platforms, and, and Jesus, like some of it is, 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 is vile, some of it's horrendifying, and, and I would, would share Neve's view on that, there's actually stuff that doesn't get through these filters, but the filters are people. And what's very worrying for me is that the some of the big uh, platforms have outsourced this work. So they put it at arms. I would see it as very core to their business. I would see that they should have these people in-house. Um, and I know that some companies do, TikTok does, by, for, as an example, and others don't. Uh, and I think if we have social media platforms that are actually outsourcing that level of responsibility, keeping those workers at arm's length uh, from themselves, I think that that speaks volumes about where, uh, in fact, their priorities lie. I mean, and the the, the manner in which they're treated, we heard from a young woman called Isabella, she gave evidence, she works as a content moderator. And I mean, it. it, it I, I don't know how she sleeps at night. That's just, that, that's the truth. I mean, the, the stuff that they see, I mean, I, I'm going to say beheadings, but we all know that that is that's only a tiny part. There is so much, uh, so much stuff that they see. So, like, I would worry that uh, that maybe this isn't taken seriously enough by uh, by the companies, given that they don't in-house that work. Do you know, so from the very, very start, you have I, I think you're, you're starting with uh, with a problem. Um, my experience of social media is both positive and negative. Uh, I, I enjoy a bit of I enjoy a bit of crack on social media by times, and sometimes it can be uh, funny, though less and less so. Um, I have uh, been targeted, including uh, by the accounts uh, for which your former colleague was sacked, uh, and I have been picked out. Uh, I noticed that one of those accounts tweeted 178 times about our, our party president. Uh, I do think that there is a, a gendered issue in it. But I also think that if it's not your gender, sometimes they'll pick on something else. So if you look at the, the treatment of Minister Roderick O'Gorman, um, I think almost immediately on his appointment, uh, there was a tsunami of vile, disgusting, homophobic abuse directed at him. I know that my colleague Fintan Warfield has experienced the same. So I'm conscious when I talk about the levels of abuse that, that are directed at me, I had a a very uh, unfortunate conversation with a member of Vanguard Shiakana about uh, security due to, to threats that are coming in from another source this week. And that's not good either. You see that reflected back in social media. It's Is that very proof social media or... Uh, no, but this had, I think they had picked up something on social media and then they got a letter, uh, a letter in. And, uh, you know, I mean, when a guard rings you and asks, what's your security arrangements at home? And you think, well, no, I locked the door. <laughs> like, you know, it's my it's my house. I have I have three offices. I've one in the doll, I've one in Balbriggan, I've one in Sars. If people want to see me, they can see me there. During the, the Eighth Amendment, I upped the security on, on all of my uh on, on anywhere that I am because uh that, that was a particularly worrying time. But like that's when when it goes from social media into the real world as it works. It's horrible to read that stuff about yourself. And, and Neve will know this. I, I've read stuff about myself and I, I try and filter it out because, and it does get you. And I, I could I could sit here and just go, God, doesn't bother me. I just, it does, it does. It, you know, it, at some point it comes back and you, you kind of think about it and you go, Jesus, do I actually look like that weightlifter? You know, that the, the picture <laughs> that they sent, I don't think I look, do I look like that? 
that you know uh, oh do I sound like that does my voice that and I you know and that's something that like people can I ask Louise and can I ask you don't have to share if you, if you don't want to um but but you mentioned that at one point there was tweets about you from the the Barbara Pym account which has obviously been linked to Owen Harris or he's one of a number of people who were had access to that account what what kind of stuff did that say about you? It, only if you want to share now, you don't have to. Well, uh, yeah, no, I had both of those accounts on on mute, so I was blissfully unaware of what they were saying about me. Uh, and uh, several people have helpfully sent me the uh, the transcript. Uh, so I think one the one that jumped out was like I was screaming like a fishwife uh, was one. Um, uh, screech and screech, like words like that from from memory. I didn't. I tried not to pay too much attention to it, to be honest. Mm. Uh, so I I did, I saw it and I looked and I said, oh, I, I put it to one side. Misogynistic, yes, that kind of stuff. Basically. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and and that was that was a theme going through those accounts. Now I'm conscious that there, there's legal action underway as well, but mm. that was a that was a theme. And there is, I mean, when it gets off social media and it goes into the real world, that's where, you know, like stuff on social media is rotten. But when it goes into the real world, you do see that. I mean, look, Fintan Moorfield has has been to the guards. I know other uh, TDs and, and senators have had to go to the, the guardie. I know Aoife Moore uh, has also been to the guards, a young female journalist targeted. Like that. that's, you know, and of course... My colleague Martin Kenny uh, had his car burnt out. Now there, you know, there was extensive discussions, and that again is, uh, you know, that that's extremely worrying. You see Stephen Donnelly putting a, a fence up around his house. You know, like stuff like that. It starts on social media, and then it it moves very. It quickly. feeds public conversation wider than that, and it comes yeah. into the real world, as you say, yeah, Philip. They, um, they don't they don't seem interested in stopping it because I've report I I've given up reporting stuff same as you and it doesn't violate their community standards. But then we need to ask what in the name of God how low are your community standards? That's if these if this stuff is not violating it, you know it, it's it's very concerning. Philip, you've had a very rough time lately. I've I've woke up many mornings and seen you trending on on Twitter, which is not necessarily a good sign. Um, tell us about some of the stuff you've got recently. Um, well, it's it's gone on years. Like, and look, I didn't get into journalism to be a public figure, but I suppose after a certain amount of time, and if you're if you're involved in commenting and and writing about public figures, you should be open to scrutiny as well, and very much accept that. And people email me or send me uh, comments on my articles, which are kind of aren't just abusive I, I always get back and respond if it's an email or if it's a direct message I always feel it's my responsibility to explain something if someone has been civil about it and, and wants to know why a certain thing is done a certain way but the, the online abuse and, and I'm heartened in one way to hear Louise say that uh, she'd like to see some action taken against it and, and thinks it's wrong but at the other side of it I'm, I'm somewhat confused because Predominantly, the abuse I get is only when I write about Sinn Féin. I can write about uh, Neves Fianna Fáil, I can write about Fine Gael, and, and they will be critical stories, they will be critical common pieces, which members of those parties and their leadership, they, they don't appreciate it, and I know that because they contact me and they might say something about this or that. But I will not wake up to being called a scumbag, a prick, an asshole, told I'm a, a bad journalist, I'm in bed with the government, all this type of stuff. I won't be told that there'll be a minute's silence for me when there's Sinn Féin in government. I won't get tweet pictures of guns at me if I write about those parties. But if I write about Sinn Féin, my phone explodes. It's hundreds of people. I mean, like, and it, it is bullying. It, it, is, um, it is an attack on your credibility. It's, it's, 
It's to defame you. A lot of these attacks that, that I get, and, and I mean, you've got them as well, Kevin, they are endorsed by members of Sinn Féin staff. They are um, uh, tweeted openly by Sinn Féin active, named Sinn Féin activists. Nobody on Sinn Féin staff I, endorses people I, being bullied I can, online. I can that's, show that's, you. That's I can show it to you. But it, I'll send it on to you. I'll send them on to you. And we have we have very very clear. I, I didn't speak over you. we're we're targets of this every bit as much as uh, as members. That's of fine, the media. but I don't understand why it's you want to speak out against other people getting this. Like like it, I, you've seen the abuse I've got over the last while. You know it. You know you've seen it. You've seen it. You know what it's about, and you you know that it's endorsed by your members. You know it's from people. I can send you. I can send you the tweets. That are named people who are Sinn Féin activists. No, but don't don't put words into my mouth. All right. So I don't know that anything is endorsed. What I do know is that uh, within our party, we we do have uh, obviously social media guidelines, and those are adhered to. We don't uh, have, um, you know, we we don't condone people being targeted on social media. Of course, we don't. But we also are at the are on the receiving end of it. And Which would make me believe that you would want to do something about other people being attacked. But we do, and I absolutely, don't that's and that's true. why we welcome. No, well, I'm so you're telling me? You're telling me now? I'm, I'm telling you that we believe that there needs to be tighter regulation. We put that aside. Put that aside. Take responsibility for your own party and your own party's actions here on this. And let me speak. Let me make my point. I didn't speak. My party. Okay. Let me speak here. Okay. So. The abuse, I'm just taking the example of the last month or say, like there's years of this has been going on. I can think it all up for you. But in the last month, it is simply because I wrote about your internal database. You know, simply that. That's all it was. And for some reason, a divulge, like an avalanche of people tweeting abuse, claiming I was an asshole, trick, wanting, wanting a minute's silence from me, all this, all about Sinn Féin's database. Nothing else. It's just about this. And it is constant. And these right, let, let it's Louise not reply just now. trolls. It's not just trolls. It is a, it, it is named people who you know, and you see them tweeting these things. Okay, so I don't condone abuse uh, by anybody. I think it's absolutely rotten. Uh, but neither is I mean, you 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 talk as if this is somehow uh, a policy of my party, and it's not. And what I would say to you, Philip, very simply is. We have been every bit as much, if not more, the targets of this. OK, so I have been targeted by an account where one of your journalists, um, a now former colleague of yours, was involved in that. Now, that that's not right. And that's we need to be it, And that's and how we, we handled need... it. We saw okay, a problem so just, and we cut it off. With the head. What the account said was so, despicable and wrong and hugely disappointing, especially for someone who had a national. Okay. And, and the, you know, and this, as I say, members, uh, you know, people had pointed this out to us back in November. All right. And nothing was done. OK, but something was done eventually. And that's welcome. And but in the intervening time between November and well, you can check it on Twitter, you see that people had, had been linking that account to uh, the, the name person who's now. And in the intervening time, that account was still dishing out plenty of abuse, not just to me, but to other female politicians and to female journalists. There was misogyny dripping off virtually every tweet that came from those accounts. And they were directed hmm. not specifically at me, but directed at women in public life, journalists, young women, journalists, female politicians. That's not right. Okay, so the, the social media 
should not so social media should not be the wild west of communications but neither should we uh, get into what aboutery okay it's not right that people are targeted on social media people are being bullied on social media that's not the very one thing is the difference an acknowledgement yeah. that as well as you know i mean Maybe the difference is we did do something. All right, lads, hold on. Slow down, slow down. Okay. You did. We're, we're, we're going to do After months, another minute of this. Let, Philip, let Louise, let Louise make her point. I'll let you back in. And then we're going to move on to what's going to be done about this. I think that's that's much more productive use of our time, uh, Kevin, to be honest, because I do think we need to look at how we're going to be able to change it. Um, it isn't uh, acceptable, as I've said, that social media is the wild west of communication. We do need to absolutely tighten that up. But neither are we going to be able to do anything about it if we're not honest. It comes from all sides. It affects everybody. I've listed examples of people who are in government and out of government and, and in opposition, people in the Senate, people in uh, in the Dáil, young women in uh, in journalism, all have been targeted. So this is not it's not a case of we have to fix one section of it. We have to fix all of it and pointing fingers and saying, well, look, you know, when when I do this, well, then there is, you know, uh, th then there is this reaction that is not going to fix it. What we need to do is ensure that social media is not the Wild West of communications. It absolutely needs and it needs to start with the content moderators. It needs to start at ground zero. And then we need to have checks and balances in place. We need to have accountability and we need to have a space where it is safe, just the same as the space outside needs to be safe. The space online needs to be safe as well. And I don't I don't feel that it is at the moment because I say I use huge amounts of filters. So I, I don't get to see an awful lot of the stuff. But when I do see it, it is deeply upsetting. It's offensive mm. and it's wrong. And I think we need to work together to and ensure that we can tighten up on these platforms. And just to finish up on this one then, uh, Louise, and we'll, we'll move on to the broader conversation, but I presume, given all you've said there, that you would condemn the abuse Philip has got. You acknowledge it happened over the last few weeks and, and you would condemn all of those involved in that abuse. Anyone who engages in abuse online, uh, of course, I mean, that's wrong. OK, the, like the, what goes on and the, this this thing, is, you know, oh, there was a pile on on, on such and such a person. I, I've been on the receiving end of that. And like, that's frightening when you turn your phone on and you think you see that you have, you know, uh, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 notifications. That's generally not a good thing. That's generally not people saying, well done or congratulations. Try two or three hundred. And look, I just like to make the final point down on this and we can. Right, last point, Philip. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get Neve and Gabby back in. But I mean, I think I um I find it really, really hard to believe that Sinn Fein do not endorse this type of behaviour. It happens so so quickly. So it seems so organised. There's accounts coming from Dublin, Belfast. It's endorsed by members of the party, like with likes and retweets. It it is vicious. It is like you said earlier. It, it is not good for your mental health to wake up and see like 50, 60, 200, 300, 400 it notifications on your phone. People you don't know what's causing it. It won't be fixed. So you know, if you if you want to just make it about uh, one person this or one thing party, that party or indeed one newspaper. Uh, it's not going to be because this is okay. Right all right, I, I, this is an issue. And if you try to isolate it and make it just about one thing, you have or one the power person, in this instance. That shows that you're interested only in scoring a political point, Philip, and not fixing the problem. So I want to. I'm a politician. I've no political All right, guys, guys, guys. Whoa, I'm pulling the iron curtain down on that one now. That, that's you've both had a good a good speak on that one. Are you still there, Neve? Are you with us? <laughs> 
I am indeed. I am indeed. Can I just say, Kevin, I suppose really listening to to both uh, what Philip and Louise have had said, I mean, the crux of this is the erosion of our democracy. I mean, we shouldn't be afraid. I mean, freedom of speech and journalism is so, so important to what happens in politics. And journalists shouldn't be afraid to do their their investigative work. also, politicians shouldn't be afraid to express an opinion. And currently, it would seem these orchestrated, and they are orchestrated, pylons have to be, um, I suppose, stopped. And, and that would be what I would hope the work of this new uh, media commission would do uh, and an online safety commissioner. And I mean, there has to be real sanctions put in place. And the idea that, an- that these anonymous accounts, and no, they're not all anonymous either, but the anonymous accounts too is something that this um, committee would hope to would, would deal with in, in terms of its pre-legislative okay, scrutiny. Gabby, in, in the real world though, because we, we often hear about clampdowns and uh, tougher regulations, all the rest of it. Like politics has known about this for years now. It's not a new phenomenon. It's albeit it has gotten worse. What odds of this legislation actually getting through in some sort of a reasonable time frame and actually being implemented by government? Yeah. So if I can come in, um, just just on some of that abuse at, at female journalists, which is of course uh, widespread. Can I just actually point out the only time that I've ever gotten a real big pylon was from an independent politician. So, so, so make of that what you will. But in relation to the legislation, so, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, it's it's going to take a very long time to, um, you know, by the time the the commission, of course, finishes up its pre-legislative scrutiny, um, and and by the time it actually gets passed. But there is a big question on the actual implementation, and as in, you know, like how are we actually going to put this in place? So there was there have been concerns raised at the committee that, you know, the commission is going to have to do an unbelievable amount of work, you know, if they're getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of referrals that they have to deal with um, of people saying, I want this taken down. This is abuse. This is cyberbullying. This is, um, you know, defamation. Take this down. You know, I think there's certainly an understanding that if the tech companies had a more, um, yes, of course, they do have content moderators and we do hear of, of some of the really quite vicious things that the content moderators have to deal with. Um, you know, I have friends that work in these content moderation companies and and they really struggle in, you know, yeah, you have to get used to, you know, images of, of child abuse, um, you know, really quite gory um, content as well. So I suppose the question really comes back to, and I think this is what Louise and, and Philip are talking about, is the anonymous accounts. Now, uh, Neve, you and your Finafal colleagues were out yesterday calling for a ban on these anonymous accounts and Senator Malcolm Byrne suggested that, for example, like Revolut, um, and I know interestingly Tinder actually has this as well, that you need to submit a copy of your passport or identification so that the company knows that you are, um, I suppose, legitimate. And But again, that kind of, to me, that kind of raises questions around uh, data privacy and what, like, you know. Well, let's, yes, let's just pick up on that one, Neve, because I think a lot of people, okay, we probably have given all our information to Facebook one way or another, but I think a lot of people would be concerned about having to give over that level of personal information to set up an account. Mm, yeah. Well, look, we, we I suppose we're looking at other models of where this is working and, and how they're doing that. And I believe there's a, a model of it in Australia. Um, look, at our data is so hugely important and it's so valuable. Um, but I think... At this stage, we've experienced such a, such a, an element of negativity in, in social media. I think you know the the idea of young people their their age that they're appropriate for using social media. 
I take your point about uh, the passports and all of that. But I think, to be honest with you, there will have to be some sort of... um, We'll have to bring in some forms of identification to allow people to be able to uh, come on these accounts. If we if we're really serious about getting uh, rid of the anonymous ones as well, um, has the horse not bolted on that though? Like it's it's they already exist, you know. Well, I mean, look, there, there's no denying that there is a huge amount of our own data and personal data out of the, out there already. Um, and you know, I suppose so far we've talked an awful lot about adults and us as, as professionals who use and depend on social media. We haven't really got into the vein of how this is affecting young people and the age of, um, I suppose, the appropriate should be signing up to social media. I know Gabby raised that yesterday in the Flint. I mean, we've talked so far about how this affects us as adults, and I'm. I'm all the time thinking about these kids that are so exposed on social media and have no protections uh, and no filters in terms of and and we also heard of kids um i suppose their stuff being used their videos their being used from they were much younger and being used later on in life and how that affects them so badly as well so i mean there is a huge body of work to be done there in in terms of uh, the media commission it will have to be fully resourced it will have to have teeth there will have to be sanctions if these giant tech giants are going to take it seriously there's no doubt about it but also kind of, there was one point yeah. sorry just on um one of the things that the group of Fianna Fáil and senators and tds mentioned in their press release yesterday ahead of the, the media regulation bill is this idea of making social media uh, companies publishers in the same way that independent or media house or publishers that if we put something on our website if it's wrong if it's defamatory if it's hurtful it is it has to number one it has to stand up to the laws of the country it also has to undergo the press council but at the same time i could go on social media lash out something about somebody on an anonymous account and no one's responsible for that so i think if there's a way of shifting the focus onto the social media yeah. companies because then they'll take more action surely what, to, what about to that prevent one, Louise? The I, I was looking up and i know in your your enterprise brief obviously you you uh, have to keep a close watch on job creation and all that side of it we have all these companies in dublin and i was trying to do i think there's over six thousand jobs in facebook twitter and TikTok alone um in Ireland, probably more at this stage, to be honest. They seem to be making announcements all the time. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, is the government uh, uh, conscious of those jobs when we talk about the kind of clampdown you can take? And that idea that Philip put forward there, it seems so obvious that they are publishers now. And I think Neve's uh, colleagues referenced the idea. They took Donald Trump offline because they reckoned the stuff he was putting on his account wasn't fit for public consumption. Um, so therefore, they are publishers. They, that, that's editing. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that the um, the tech companies have work to do. I wouldn't like to think that the that the government would go would go soft on them um, because they think that suddenly the uh, the jobs might be at risk. I mean, the reason that they're here is because we have a young, educated workforce. But the reason that they might leave, by the way, uh, is because people can't afford to live <laughs> due to government policy on housing. People can't afford to live in Dublin. Um, that is a I'm amazed that we got we got the guts of thirty minutes in without you getting that one. But <laughs> go on. <laughs> ah, well, come on, it's it's true. I mean, if yeah, you no. talk to these companies, they will tell you. We could you. do a whole it other is, podcast on on the housing. Yeah, one, definitely. It's, a, it's yeah. a big issue. It's a big issue. Um, you know, but no, the the, the point being, I think that the 
like they're here for a, a range of reasons. It is not just, uh, you know, I think that they, they're here because we have a young educated population. They're here because uh, obviously the conditions are right for them to be here and the jobs are important. I mean, of course they are. But I would hate to think that the government will go soft on them simply because uh, because they are employers here. I think we need to see. Uh, you know they are they are publishers. I mean, it, the stuff is published. You you, you publish a tweet. You you publish a, a Facebook post. I suppose in the, in the same way as you guys publish in your newspaper. And there does need to be uh, there does need to be those uh, standards and the same standards applied. I mean, Philip makes a good point. You like the idea that you could you couldn't say something in the paper. But that the same thing that you would look at, that your editor might look at and go, oh, no, you're not, that, that's, that's not going out. But that you could simply just, you know, put the paper down and then go over to your computer and, and, and lash it out on Twitter. Uh, and, it, and it's not held to the same standard. That's I, I don't think that's right. Um, you know, you probably still wonder why my editor lets you get out. I don't think that's uh, that's right. But I do. I do think that the uh, I mean, there's, there's some really positive stuff in the uh, in the bill. Um, I think the capacity to make individual complaints to the the media uh, to the media commission. I, I so you'd have to balance that. I think there does need to be everything doesn't need to come through the the, the corporate entity. But I think it, there does need to be uh, you know some capacity to do individual complaints, but also mindful of the fact that there could be a tsunami of them, and you know you, you don't want the, the media yeah. Commission. Just maybe explain that one, Neve, a little bit because is that like the press ombudsman in some ways? If if I write an article about uh, somebody today and they take issue with it on factual grounds, or they take issue with it on maybe I've mentioned something in an ethnic space that's that's not relevant or something like that, they can go to the press council and the press ombudsman makes a decision. And if the press ombudsman finds that I have breached one of their guidelines, then we have to publish a big piece in the paper basically saying that we did that. Is that how, like how would that work in social media? I mean, they're not going to put out a tweet going an anonymous account tweeted X about Kevin Doyle. We accept he's not Y. Yeah, um, well, the online safety commissioner, as you know, is part of all of that in terms of the media commission. So, I mean, it goes back to this point that you've been making, you know, social media platforms have become publishers. They're not just platforms anymore and they should be held to the same standards. And as well as that, we've had a lot of debate and discussion about where our more traditional forms of media are going, our papers, um, our radio, our television, our national broadcaster. And I suppose they're being crippled in in some ways by uh, social media too and the immediacy of it and all of that. Uh, And and it makes absolute sense that they would be held to the same standards as our more traditional uh, media platforms. And I would hope that the Commission would be in a position to do that. It's got to be fully resourced. It's got to have teeth. It's got to have sanctions. to, to really make that happen. And the other side of all this is, and we've seen what's happened this morning with cybercrime and the HSC and how that's been so debilitating. Uh, we will have to ensure that uh, Angarda Shikona is um, equipped with resources and, and adequate training and all of that to deal with this also. And also parents. I, I did a seminar here in, I uh, did one in Balbriggan and I did one in, in Swords there about two or three years ago with CyberSafe Ireland. I couldn't keep up with the demand from parents and the questions they were asked. Now, I'm not very technical as, as anyone who's seen me struggle to do Anton with a computer would know, but like even st- questions that I would have thought were, were, were kind of stuff that was well known. Parents were coming in, they were concerned, their kids were on, you know, th- these platforms. 
but but they didn't know how they worked and they were they had read they had the kind of basic questions that I that that shocked what well, didn't shock me but like I was kind of thinking geez I, like, I think everybody pretty much knows that but they were coming in with very basic questions they could see their kids they were saying like yep she comes in from school she's in a good mood or a bad mood I haven't a clue she just says oh yeah runs upstairs now that's standard behavior for teenagers you know you're upstairs to your room but then it's bing 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 beep 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 all night and they don't know what it is who who are their who their kids are talking to and you know how and it's all being done over these platforms and it was massively oversubscribed uh the the seminar and it was just parents wanting really basic information so that they could help their kids because the same as you know you can see your kids playing outside you can see if there's something going on but you don't know what's going on when uh you know when when they're on their own but they're out in the world but they're upstairs in their bedroom you know it was it was a lot more uh it was a lot easier in the days of Bebo when the most controversial thing you could do was pick your top three friends. Uh, and that was what the row might be about. I, I'm going to wrap up, but I want to go around the house before we do and ask, because I think I think um, there's one obvious thing I think out of all this conversation is that everybody sees a big problem, not just a problem, but a big problem. Uh, and there's lots of ideas. Uh, there's lots of different ideas. But what I want to ask just everybody um, to finish up is, I mean, we'll start with you, Gabby. If there was one thing that you would like to see happen pretty much immediately, uh, because that piece of legislation, there's a lot to it and there's going to be pushback and there's going to be legal problems and data problems and all this I can foresee by the time it gets through the, the House of Rockets. But if there was one practical thing that could be done at a government political level, Gabby, what would you like to see? Yeah, probably the ban on the anonymous accounts or, or have some sort of a verification um, when you're when you're setting up an account. I think really, I mean, that's that's kind of one thing that they can do. But really, I think it's up to my own personal gripes with, with especially Twitter and Facebook is how much they, you know, steal journalists work. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, journalists bring you know, a lot of people to their platform. We're seeing, you know, journalists now have over, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, maybe even millions, um, especially some of the New York Times journalists. I think Nicholas Kristoff is over a million and he brings a lot of people to the platform. They trust him and they trust his information. And essentially they are publishers of that information. We're bringing it to them. We're breaking stories on their platform. So maybe it's time for, um, you know, for, 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 social, for Facebook and for Twitter, especially Twitter, start you know taking a look at that and saying okay well are we gonna reimburse you know, so you'd like to see something like what has happened in australia where they have they have effectively made them pay uh, a sort of a a deal with the, yeah. the news publishers over there philip what's the one thing you would do um like it, it, like the huge difficulty with like stuff like gabby is saying which should happen is that like these companies have more money than ireland like they're, they're richer than our old our entire country in many ways and like that's what we're up against. It's impossible, really. Um, I suppose the two things is is to, I don't know how you do it, but to, to make them into publishers of some description and make them responsible for all content that's put on on their system, like if that could in, eventually just drop the thing or have them shut it down. But sure, shut down Twitter. Like, is anybody going to be at any real loss? <laughs> and then okay, and then also I just like I'd also like to see political parties take responsibility for their staff and members. And what they do online. Okay. Just like Philip wants to shut down Twitter. Louise. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I don't think it's just Twitter he wants to shut down, but uh, we're not going anywhere, Philip. Apologies. Uh, <laughs> so I think. We're not going back there, guys. We're not going back there. It was a joke. 
speak. Um, it was a joke. Um, I think the. Uh, I think what I would like to see. Yes, I'd like to see the platforms um, act and and behave and be treated as publishers. Yeah, but I'd also like to see them raise their own standards. I mean, we. I bet you every person on, on this call, if you throw stone out the window, you probably hit someone who has reported something that they found, you know, personally hurtful or wrong or, you know, et cetera. And then the reply comes back, as, well, this doesn't violate our community standards. Well, then, you know, raise your standards. You know, I think that's something that could be done immediately uh, in the legislative space. Yes, I think we, we do need to treat uh, social media platforms as publishers and hold them to uh, the same standards. Uh, and finally, Neve. Then, as as chairperson of the, of the committee, I suppose you have some say in what the pro, where the priority lies. What's the the main thing? Well, for, you? for me, for me, it's about kids and it's about young people and the swift removal of you know hurtful, uh, defamatory, defa- where people feel defamed content. You know, we know it's, it's it's going back to that issue of community standards. But I mean. They don't have standards. That's the bottom line in my mind. But, you know, when a complaint's made and it's about a kid or a child or a young person, you know, or anybody for that matter, the swift removal, we heard that repeatedly from every witness. They come in, they're slow. It doesn't happen in most cases. They don't remove this stuff. But that's what I want to see. That's what I would that, that would be my wish list. Number one. Okay. thanks. Well, that is our lot for this week. I have to I don't want to make light of anything, but. I think Philip and Louise should get their own podcast because I would tune into that every week. Um, but we will have to leave it there for now. I think we'll have you you both back on again, hopefully uh, before too long, maybe again on this topic as the committee does more work on it. But my thanks as usual to Philip and Gabby and to Fianna Fáil TD, Neve Smith and Sinn Féin's Louise O'Reilly. We'll be back next week with more from The Floating Voter. Bow to shine.